0: Hey, we're so glad you decided to join us on YouTube. You're about to hear a message from our teaching team. We hope this message helps equip you for freedom and to find purpose in your everyday life.
1: We stream our online services every Sunday. You can visit us at freedomhouse.cc/live to connect with us and become part of our online campus.
0: We know that you're going to enjoy this message you're about to watch. Come on, can we give Jesus just a big hand clap today? Come on, you can do better than that. He is risen. We celebrate him today. God is on the throne. So excited to be with you. Easter is one of my favorite holidays. I love Easter. I I think it's so unique that on a holiday like Easter, much like Christmas, we, we all gather together, all different types of people, millennials and Gen Xers. I mean, they just sit next to each other. Black people, white people, yellow people, green people, blue people, all together. We got old people and young people. We got, we got Republicans and Democrats even sitting next to each other in church. Come on. You know that's a miracle. Don't worry, I won't teach that. I love Easter. Um, I just love the, the idea of Easter because we get to celebrate the death, the burial, in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Somebody asked me in the lobby, a new person, says, how long the church has been around? It's been around for about 17 years. And one of the things that I was nervous about when I started the church was the aspect of death. I, I really, I had a hard time with funerals. I had a hard time with death. And I struggled with it. And I knew that I would have to do weddings. I love weddings. I love putting two people together. But from a pastoral perspective, you're really... I mean, they tell you you did a good message, but they really didn't care about what you said in a wedding. Um, All they care about is whether they got together. That's all that matters. But when a funeral happens, you are the center of attention. Everybody is looking to you for answers. They want to know from you. And about seven years into our church, my grandmother and my father both passed away the same year it was a very difficult time for me. I didn't have much of a relationship with my father, but it still affected me. I had a very, very strong relationship with my grandmother. She was the matriarch of our family. She would often come to church. I'd moved her from Richmond, Virginia. Uh, when we moved to Charlotte to be with us here, my family and I took, took her in. We we put her in an assisted living facility right down the street from our house. We would visit her often. And I can remember Easter Sunday going to grandma's house for dinner, for supper, sorry, supper, and she would make this roast, and it was amazing. But even better than the roast, she had these yeast rolls. I'm telling you, I guarantee you if Jesus wasn't gluten-free, he would eat (laughs) these rolls. I mean, these were like, they were, I don't know how she made them, but they were like three pieces put together. It was like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit just all together, and you put a big, you know, like about a half a stick of butter on top of it, and you could just open it up, and I mean, it'd make your tongue smack your brain. It tastes so good. <laughs> I hope my wife is making those today. And I think about this, just my grandmother being with me, and, and being a part of what God is doing, and, and just, just the part about her, her and, and her love sitting on the front row. and She gave the best hugs. She loved it. It helped me get through because the pastor told me this. He, he made this statement to me. He says, You know, when your grandmother, I know you were very close to your grandmother, and, and, and he said to me, when, when she died and now she's in heaven, you have a connection with heaven that you never had before. It helped me. This is what brought this scripture up this week as I was studying for Easter. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, everybody say, Therefore. Now let me just give you a little quick Bible study lesson. Whenever you see a therefore in the Bible, he is, he, you need to check what it's there for. This is what I tell our church often is you need to go back and look at what is the connection. The writer of Hebrews right here is connecting Hebrews chapter 11 with Hebrews chapter 12. Well, what is Hebrews chapter 11? It's known as the, the Hall of Faith. The chapter in the Bible, where God speaks about all the people who had strong faith, people like Abraham and Moses and Noah and Rahab and Samson and David and all these great men of faith. And then he says, therefore, in other words, I got some more to say about this. He says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily, easily ensnares us and let us run. Everybody shout run. Run. One more time, shout "Run." run. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. See, the reason why there's a connection on a holiday like today is because we are all in a race. We all have a race to run. It's called the mission that God gave us, and each one of us individually. Matter of fact, all seven billion of the planet have been given a specific race that they are to run. But this race is different. I know in America, we're very competitive. We want to be first. We want to get through the drive through first. We want to get to Starbucks first. You want me to finish real quick so you can beat Baptist to the restaurant? <laughs> you want to get there first. But see, this race is different This race is more about finishing than it is about being first. And the Bible tells us that we are surrounded by a cloud of people who are cheering us on. I've been doing CrossFit for about six or seven years. I love CrossFit. I know it gets a bad rap. People talk about how hard it is. It's not that hard. You should come over this afternoon. I'll be doing it around four o'clock at my house. Just show up. Well, I got a workout for you. I'm getting ready to turn 50 this week. And uh, come on, I know I look 35. I don't know why that's so funny, but anyway. But I keep up with the 25 year olds. I whoop them every now and then. But the thing I love about CrossFit, although it's, it is very competitive, the thing that I love about the community of CrossFit is typically the one who finishes last gets the most claps. In other words, what happens is is we have this what's called a wad, a workout of the day. and We all get together, and we all do the same workout, and there are people that finish at all different times. But at the end, everybody that finishes first gathers around the person who's last, and they stand and they cheer them on. And they yell for them, come on, you can make it, you can finish, and they're clapping and they're cheering. And there are more cheers for the one who finishes last than the one who finishes first. See, whenever I get discouraged in ministry, I'll always think of my grandma, Mimi, sitting on the front row, cheering me on, and she's now in heaven, and she's cheering on. She used to tell me, you're my favorite preacher. Joel Osteen has nothing on you. (laughs) This is my Bible. No, I'm way better than him. (laughs) You may be facing a wall today, but guess what? It may not seem like it's coming down, but but check this out. Joshua is in heaven right now, and he's cheering you on, saying, hey, that thing's going to come down. You may, you may be facing a lion's den. They're ready to chew you up. It's called your office, but guess what? There's Daniel up in heaven cheering you on, saying, you're going to make it. It's going to be all right. You're going to get that promotion. You may be going through the greatest fiery trial in your life, but guess what? you got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that are up in heaven. Just cheering you on, saying, hey, you're going to make it. It's going to be all right. I know it's hot right now, but one day it's going to be all right. You're going to finish your race. You may be facing a giant. His name might not be Goliath. It may, his name may be bankruptcy or mortgage. But guess what? You got David up in heaven, that little 17-year-old boy that picked up a slingshot and took down a giant. He says, hey, you can make it. You're going to be able to get through this. You may be getting wailed upon in your family. But there's a guy by the name of Jonah who got swallowed by a whale that's in your cloud of witnesses right now cheering you on. you got a cloud of witnesses. And and even more than that, the Bible goes on to say, and I love this part, we've got Jesus, our greatest cheerleader. Hebrews 12, 2 says, looking unto, say it with me, Jesus. Jesus. We say that name one more time, Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Notice what the Bible says, who for the joy that was set before him. Would you read that phrase with me real quick, who for the joy? Ready, one, two, three. Who for the joy that was set before him. Would you do that one more time just because you sound so good? Who for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and it sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, the Bible says that he endured and despised. He endured the cross, he lasted through the cross, he he made it through the cross. He despised, he rejected, he refused the shame that came along with it. You know, Jesus did a lot of miracles in his life. John even told us that if all the miracles could be written, the books couldn't contain all the miracles that he did. He healed the sick, he opened blinded eyes, he opened deaf ears, he raised the dead, he Cast out demons from people. He, he did amazing things. But yet he had to endure some stuff. He had to go through some stuff. What joy, as he's on that cross, what joy was set before him? What, what, was, what, was, what was joyous about that? Well, I mean, think about it. Think about it. What about Judas? One of his Twelve. Judas spent three and a half years with Jesus. I Think about this. Think about all the stuff that Judas saw. Think about all the miracles that he witnessed. He watched Jesus walk on the water. He, walked his, he watched his friend Peter walk on the water. Probably they were all distracted by they were watching. He was picking stuff up from people, stealing stuff. That's Judas. He, he, he saw incredible miracles. He saw Lazarus walk out of a tomb. I imagine that because he was one of the 12, Jesus probably poured a lot into his life. Told him things as he prayed. Talked to him. Tried to help him with the potential. All knowing in the back of his mind, knowing that Judas would one day betray him. Even ate with him several times. The Last Supper displays him sitting right next to Jesus, close to Jesus. Have you ever had anybody betray you before? Have you ever had anybody that's close to you try to take you down? You poured your life into them. You gave them your best, not just three years, but four years, and five years, and six years, and seven years, and you invited them into your house, and you invited them around your family, and you brought them close to you only for them to stab you in the back. What joy! What joy was set before him? What about the religious leaders? I imagine Jesus was thinking when he came to the earth, when he started his earthly ministry, that he would have a team around him. I mean, these were the guys, these religious leaders were the ones that were supposed to be his right tackle and his left tackle and his power forwards, who he could pass the ball to and and work with. However... As soon as he started preaching, they tried to take him down. The Bible tells us the first message that he preached, they wanted to throw him off the cliff. And these guys were supposed to be on the same team, speaking for God, sharing with people about God, pointing people to God. Have you ever had anybody that said they're on your team only to let you down? I have. Have you ever had anybody say, hey, I'm with you forever, and then walk away from you in your most desperate moment? What joy? What joy was in that? What about Jesus' closest three friends, Peter, James, and John, his three amigos, his three musketeers? These guys were with him all the time. He took them into special environments. One particular time, he took them up on on the top of a mountain where he was transfigured before him. Before then, Peter got so freaked out, he's like, hey, I don't know what to do about this. How about we put a couple tents up here and we have church here for the rest of life? Moses and Elijah showed up. Peter, James, and John, he took them into certain situations. They saw a 12-year-old girl get raised from the dead. And then the night before Jesus was to be crucified, he took his three closest friends into a garden to pray. And he asked them, hey, say, hey guys, hey, guys, would you just pray with me for one hour? I'm going to go over here for a minute. Just, just pray. Would you just intercede for me? I, I know you don't understand. I know you don't understand that I'm getting ready to go to the cross. And I know you're a little confused right now that I told you I'm going to leave you. I know that you're struggling with this. But would you, would you just pray just for a just for a few minutes? Would you just intercede? I really need somebody to hold me up right now. And he goes over here, and he cries out to the Father. Father, I I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can handle this. Crying in agony, and he walks back to his three closest friends, whom he asked just to pray for one hour, and they're sleeping. Guys, wake up. Wake up. Come on, I really need you to pray for me right now. I'm really struggling. I don't know if I can handle this situation. I really need you to pray. Would you please pray for me Just, just one hour? Would you just... Just pray for me just just a little bit. Would you pray? I'm going to go back over here. And he goes over and he cries out to his, it's not my will, but your will be done. And he goes back to his friends again and they're asleep again. They can't even wait with him one hour. Guys, come on, wake up, please, please. I just need you to help me. Have you ever had anybody say they're going to do something for you only to let you down? Say they're going to pray for you. When really they're just scheming behind the scenes? Falling asleep on you? What joy in that? What joy was set before him? Jesus was beaten. And not just an ordinary beating. Not just a regular Roman beating. No, he was beaten bad. They beat him with rods. The Bible says that they whipped him with a cat of nine tails. Thirty-nine stripes. A cat of nine tails is a whip with pieces and fragments of bone and glass and and wood. And every time it would hit him, it would strip him of, of flesh off of his back and his body and his back and his neck and all through his legs, every time hitting him, just ripping him to shreds, so much so that people didn't even recognize him. They beat him with rods. They took a crown of thorns and shoved it down on his head, so much so that it pierced even through down to the bone of his skull. You ever been through a time in life where you feel like you just can't go any farther? What joy. What joy was set before him? Jesus was humiliated. Oftentimes when we see pictures of Jesus on the cross, his bottom half is covered when in reality, they crucified Jesus totally and completely exposed. Jews and Greeks saw the naked body as something to be covered. And so when they took Jesus and they put him up on that cross in front of everyone, he was stripped completely naked, full in in full view of everyone. Have you ever shared your darkest, deepest secret with someone only to find it listed on Facebook? Somebody shared a secret sin that you're trying to deal with, and you thought that they were going to carry it, but when they just shared it with somebody else, exposed. What joy. What joy is in this? What joy did Jesus have? What joy was set before him? You know, marathon runners talk about they hit a wall when they run. They In the middle of around around, mile 13, 14, 15, all of them have a different wall that they hit. And oftentimes they're asked, how do you overcome that wall? And they say they fix their eyes on the finish line. They look at the end. They have it in mind. Writers who are writing books, oftentimes they get to a place where they get writer's block. They sit in front of the computer. They don't know what else to say And what they think about is the last sentence. Oftentimes, they will write the last sentence in order to help them get through that moment. They will fix their eyes on the finish line. See, what joy was set before Jesus? He knew his mission. He knew his purpose. And he had his eyes fixed on the finish line. What was that finish line? Let me just give you a couple things that he probably thought about. His eyes were fixed on the empty throne that sat next to his father. That he left when he was asked to go to mankind. I can imagine the conversation went something like this. Hey, son, would you mind going down to save mankind? I'd like a relationship with them. Now, here's how it's going to go. You're going to go down there, and they're probably going to despise you. They're probably not going to like you. They're probably going to ignore you. They're probably going to put you to the side and, and, and ridicule you. And, and, and eventually, they're probably going to kill you because that's the plan. But would you will be willing to do it? Sure, Dad. I'd love to do that. And when he was on that cross, when he was dealing with the betrayal of Judas and, and his friends not praying for him, I can imagine he's thinking about this throne that he would again occupy. Why? Why would he occupy this throne? So he could pray for you and me. So he could be one of those in the cloud of witnesses, leading the way in the shouts for you to finish your race. He wants to intercede for you. That's what he's doing right now. He's praying for you right now. He's praying for your marriage right now. He's praying for your family right now. He's praying for your kids right now. He's praying for your job right now. That's what he does. That's his job right now. His eyes were fixed On an empty throne. I believe his eyes were fixed on the enemy's defeat. See, he died on Friday, but he had something to do on Saturday. The Bible says he descended before he ascended. And so he walked right up into hell. And he had his chest high, his head held high, and he just walked right on through the gates. And said, hey, where's the devil? Bring him on up here. And he reached out with his blood-stained hands with a big hole in it, and he said, hey, give me the keys back. I can imagine, this is the Maxwell translation, but I can imagine that the devil's like, what keys you talking about, Jesus? I don't know what you're talking about. Looking around, I don't know what key you're talking about. And Jesus said, you know exactly what key I'm talking about because your lease is up, you have been evicted, your dominion is over, you are defeated. You thought by killing me you were taking me out when in reality God was going to lift me up. Go ahead and give me the key to death, hell, and the grave. Sin is defeated. Temptation. Come on, give God some praise for that. You don't have to struggle with the devil anymore. You don't have to fight with the anymore anymore because Jesus and the same spirit that raised him from the dead lives on the inside of you. The devil is defeated. His eyes were fixed on the enemy's defeat. His eyes were fixed on our sins being washed away. Not covered. Not to be exposed later. Not to be talked about later. Not not to be brought up in a future instance. No, 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 no. Your sins, by the blood of Jesus, have been washed completely away. Your past is gone. Anything present is removed. Anything in the future has already been dealt with. His eyes were fixed on your freedom from sin forever. It's a great promise. Ultimately, what joy was set before him, his eyes were fixed on you and me. Had to include myself in on this one. His eyes were fixed on you. I really believe before that moment where he was on the cross... And Jesus cried out, it is finished. I believe he saw every face, your face, my face, all of our faces before him. I imagine he felt the pain that we would ever experience, the pain that was due us, but he took upon himself. What joy was set before him, you are that joy. That's what he thought about as he suffered. That's what he thought about when he was beaten. That's what he thought about when he was betrayed. That's what he thought about. He thought about you and me, man. That's the joy that he had. And so, no matter what betrayal, no matter what lies, no matter what trials, no matter what pain, no matter what heartache, no matter what successes or failures, look unto Jesus, the author, the finisher. Of your faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and now sits at the right hand of God. I love how Isaiah describes it 800 years prior to Jesus coming onto the planet. Here's what he says in Isaiah 53 I just want to read it to you. Who believes what we've heard and seen? Who would have thought God's saving power would look like this? The servant grew up before God, a scrawny seedling, a scrubby plant in a parched field. There was nothing attractive about him, nothing to cause us to take a second look. He was looked down on, passed over, a man who suffered, who knew pain firsthand. One look at him, and people turned away. We looked down on him and thought he was scum. But the fact is, listen, church, it was our pains he carried, our disfigurements, all the things wrong with us. We thought he brought it on himself, that God was punishing him for his own failures, but it was our sins that did that to him, that ripped and tore and crushed him, our sins. He took the punishment, and that made us whole. Even though he'd never hurt a soul or said one word that wasn't true. Still, it's what God had in mind all along to crush him with our pain. The plan that he gave himself, the plan was that he gave himself as an offering for sin that he, so that he'd see life come from it. Life, life, and more life. Amen.
2: No other king could vanquish the warhorse or silence the warrior's rage while riding the lowly back of a donkey. No other king could break the dominion of darkness, the tyranny of evil with a reign of grace and a kingdom of peace. No other king could give his life for the redemption of rebels, his wealth to welcome the outcast is that king, the king of glory, son of the living God, not just another king, not just another prophet, not just another teacher. He was the one the world had been waiting for, the one to deliver us from captivity, the son of David and Abraham's chosen seed. He is the goal of the Mosaic law, Yahweh in the flesh. He is the one to establish God's reign and rule, to heal the sick. Light to the blind, freedom to the prisoners, and proclaim good news to the poor. This Jesus was the creator come to earth and the beginning of a new creation. He embodied the covenant, fulfilled the commandments, and reversed the curse. This Jesus is the Christ that God spoke of to the serpent, the one prefigured to Noah in the flood, the one promised to Abraham, the one guaranteed to Moses before he died, the one promised to David during his reign, the one revealed to to Isaiah as a suffering servant, the one predicted through the prophets and prepared for through John the Baptist. He is the Father, Son, Savior of the world and substitute for our sins. More loving, more holy and more wonderfully terrifying than we ever thought possible. He is our Jesus and there is no other king like him. He is our God, our glory, our victorious There is no other king like him. There is no other king.
0: has the final word. Almost 30 years ago, I um, I, uh, gave my life to Jesus. I thought I had it going on, man. I really did. I thought I was going to make a million dollars by the time I was 30. I was finishing college. I mean, I was just, man, things were just rocking and rolling. And I hit this wall. I hit this place in my life. See, I thought I was strong enough I thought I was smart enough. I thought I was good enough. Yeah, I'd gone to church, man. I, I can do church. Did a lot of church. But then I bumped into God. Because there's a difference between religion and Jesus. Big difference. See, this is what changed for me. I realized that Christianity, there's something different about Christianity. There's... It's different than any other religion in the world. Different than Islam, different than Hinduism, Buddhism, Hare Krishna, in any other religion. Because in every other religion, it's about us finding God. Or a God. But see, Christianity is about God finding us. That's the difference. Last week, we had a pretty horrible thing happen to one of the landmarks of Christianity in Paris, France. I have a picture of it right here. Notre Dame was burned. The roof caved in, rubble everywhere. And oftentimes, when I saw this picture, I said, you know, this, this is a lot of what life can look like. Everything around you seems to be falling in and caving in and rubble. And, but if you notice what is at the center... The cross, Jesus, the hope of the world. So I want to ask you today. Matter of fact, would you, would you just grab somebody's hand beside you? I know it may be a little awkward. You might not know them, but hey, maybe they're cute and you're single. God sent his son to die for you. It's that simple. He sent His Son to search you out. And all you have to do is look unto Him, the author and the finisher of your faith, who for the joy, and guess what today? You're that joy. Your life represents the reason why He hung on the cross. My life, your life, my mission, your mission, my purpose, your purpose, is what allowed Christ to endure and despise the shame. Everything he went through was for you. And so maybe you're in this place today, somebody invited you, you've never been to church before. Maybe you're an atheist, maybe you're an agnostic, but I promise you something's going on in your heart right now. You might not be able to explain it. Happened to me 30 years ago, I went to church, yeah, but I'd never experienced the power and the presence Of the resurrected Jesus Christ. His power is in this place right now and that sensation that you feel in your heart is the Holy Spirit saying the Father is real and He loves you and He cares for you and His desire is to have a relationship with you. Or maybe you have been to church and you knew God and you said yes and and, and you, you followed him for a season of your life, but you're back today. And can I just tell you something? You don't know me, maybe, but just as a pastor, as, as a person, I'm so proud of you for coming today because I know it probably wasn't easy to walk through those doors because you may have been hurt by a pastor, a leader, a church person. You may have been, been hurt by church, but you chose today to come back. And I'm so proud that you decided to do that. And I want you to know something. In spite of... Of all of the things that Christians have done, Jesus still loves you. And he cares for you. And he has a plan for your life. And his desire is for you to come back into full relationship with him. So if you fall into one of those two categories, I want to pray for you today. And in just a second, I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, I just want you to just take just a little step of obedience. I want you just to squeeze the person's hand beside you. Now I know what you're thinking, like, why would I do that? Why would I make that decision today? Because you probably won't make it in the future. But today's the day where you can make that choice. See, the cross represents the intersection between mankind and God. This, this, this cataclysmic collision between God and God. And his desire is for you to come in this loving relationship with him. And he'll forgive you of all your sins, all your past. And he'll help you with life. It's not going to be easy. But you'll have an advocate. You'll have someone there for you to help you through all your sorrows and your pain. Your successes and your failures. So if you want to make that choice today, either for the first time or maybe for the 101st time. I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, I just want you to just squeeze that person's hand. You ready? One, two. Come on, don't hesitate. Don't wait. Three. Just ever so slightly squeeze that person's hand. Squeeze it just ever so slightly. Listen, if somebody squeezed your hand, I want you to do something. I want you just to lift that hand up for them. Lift it up for them if they squeezed your hand. Okay, now listen. I'm going to get you to do one more step. I know this is going to take a lot. It's going to take a lot of obedience. It's going to take a lot of faith. I want those people that squeeze, if you squeeze somebody's hand, if you got, if you were on the squeezing side, somebody squeezed your hand, I want you to bring them right up to this altar right now. Just say, excuse me, pardon me. They're going to get their life together. And church, can you give them a hand as they do that? Just come right up here with me. I want to pray for you. Come on. Just push your way all the way up to the front. Come on, all the way up. Come on, all the way up. All up. All All the way up. All the way up. Come on, all the way up. All the way up. Come on. Just press in as close as you can. Come on, keep giving them a hand. Isn't that great? Come on, give them a hand as they come. All the way up in the risers. Come on. Just come. Just come. Push your way all the way up. Just fill in. Ushers, help me fill them in all in here. Come on, church. Give them a big hand. Heaven's cheering for you right now. Awesome. I know we can't fit everybody up here. But I'm just so proud of you. I'm proud of you for making a decision, making a choice. Now you might be thinking like, what's next? Don't worry about that right now. Don't worry about that. We'll help you with that. But I wanted you to feel some things. First of all, I wanted you to feel what community feels like. And you did that. That's why I had you grab somebody's hand beside you. And I had them lifted up for you because you're gonna need somebody on your left and on your right in this journey. You're gonna need somebody that's there when you don't feel like you can do it on your own. And listen, I don't care how cool you are or how much money you make or how successful you are. You are always going to go. You, we are all going to face a moment in time where we just don't even feel like lifting our hands. But that's what church is, man. That's what, that's what real community is. It's when you don't feel like, cause I've been there, man, last few weeks, last few months have been tough for me, but there's been people around me. This is true. You can do it. You can do it again. And I wanted you to feel what it felt like to take that step of obedience and come. That's a huge step. It's a huge step to get out of the crowd. Because that's what, that's what being a follower of Jesus is all about. Is sometimes you got to step away from the fray and you got to decide to be different. And in the world we live in, being a Christian means you're going to be different. You're going to live by different values and look to a different system to live by. But you can do it as you look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. So I'm going to lead you through a prayer, a declaration, and then our service pastors are going to come up, and they're going to give you one more directive, and then we're going to go home, and we're going to have some little three-pronged rolls with butter all over them. Il nombre esus, in the name of Jesus. So if you could, just one more time, everybody in this place, just lift up your hands to heaven just as a form of surrender, even at this altar. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to say this. Follow me in this prayer. Say it loud enough so you can hear it with your own ears. If you're watching online, do the same thing. Just say this with me. Say it loud. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that his blood washes me clean of all my sins. And all my mistakes. I believe that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead for me. I start over today a brand new life in Jesus' name. I'll worship you and I'll serve you all the days of my life in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted, Amen. Come on, give God one more hand of praise.
1: Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and join us for online services.
0: If you'd like to learn more about Freedom House or how you can become part of our church, visit our website at freedomhouse.cc.